be found. And then look at verse number 28. And the Bible says, And unto man he said, Behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom, and to depart from evil is understanding. All right? How many of you would say, and I, I, would say, I, I know most people would, would think, this, think this way, uh, how many of us would say, Boy, I would love to have wisdom. Anybody like that? You ever said to yourself, Man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read the book of Proverbs because I, I, I want to I get some wisdom. You know, I don't know about y'all, but I can't stand to be away from... I like to be up close to where people are at. That thing is... I didn't know that thing rolled like it. All right. So, but anyway, I, how many of you have ever read the book of... Or, or looked at the book of Proverbs and said to yourself, You know what? The book of Proverbs is the book of wisdom, so I'm going to read Proverbs and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get me some wisdom, boy. Anybody like that? I think we've all been there, haven't we? How many of you... Don't raise your hand, but how many of you did it work on? Did it, did it work? <laughs> and you got wisdom. What, well, what, what is wisdom? Well, wisdom, you know, knowledge is one thing. Understanding, you know, you, you've, you've got, you know, I, some people have got, got a high IQ, and they know a lot of facts, and they know a lot of figures. But not everybody has wisdom. You can be smart. You can be brilliant, not have any wisdom. Wisdom is something completely different. Wisdom is the, the ability to take knowledge and use it wisely or use it or put it in, put it to good use. Uh, it's it's kind of like it's kind of like somebody says, you know, uh, uh, people with co- you know, people with common sense. Uh, this guy had he 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 don't have sense enough to get in and out of the rain, you know. Uh, common sense. The average usually the average everyday worker, the guy that gets up and goes to work every day, you know, that guy usually has common sense. And uh, he, he's he's got some wisdom. He don't have he don't have a lot of knowledge or a lot of book learning and things like that. But he knows how to live life, and he knows how to live life successfully. And by the way, can I tell you, you can't live life successfully without God. You just can't do it. Uh, you you will never be successful apart from the Lord Jesus Christ. All right. And so, uh, why don't we have wisdom? That's a great question. Why don't we have wisdom? Well, can I tell you that uh, really the reason we don't have wisdom is because we don't want it. Because we can have wisdom. We can have it. God says God, God, God will give us wisdom. God has told us, I'll, I'll give you wisdom. And He's given us some things here. And we're going to look at a lot of, a lot of verses in the book of Proverbs uh, about how we can find wisdom or what we can do to get wisdom. And really, if we don't, if we don't, uh, if we don't want it bad enough, we're just not gonna, we're just not gonna find it. Wisdom and the keys to finding wisdom are just like gold. And he's, he's told us that in his word, you know. Wisdom is just like, is just like going out and mining. How many, has anybody ever mined for gold? Anybody? I've always thought, boy, I'd like to do that. I'd like to dig for diamonds or gold or, you know, anything that would be valuable. Uh, you know, I'm all, I've always interested, you know, I see a little something shiny on the ground, I'll, I'll stop and look at it and pick it up. If I'm driving down the road, I see something shiny or whatever, and I'll look at it and I see it, I'll, I'll stop and look, see what it is. You know, I'm always, I've always been interested in, you know, kind of messing around looking for things and, and hunting for things and trying to find things. But, you know, he tells us, it's, it, he tells us that wisdom's just like gold. I, I remember a commercial back long, long time ago. This is back long ago. 
And it was, it was in reference to of a planning for the future or planning for your retirement. And I'm not even, I'm not even going, I'm not even going to ask who, it, how many of you is ready for retirement and you've got all that figured out and all this. But here was an old guy. He was an old prospector. Now, I mean, this guy, this is back in Australia, this is out in Australia. And this guy looked like he'd been living in Australia out in the bush for his whole life. I mean, he was a rough looking guy. He might have been 50 years old, but he looked like he was 90. He had this old camper that looked like if a good wind came by, it had so much rust on it, it just, it just blowed that thing down. And he had this old pickup truck, and he was out there prospecting for gold. He was a, he was a, he was mining for gold. And you could tell by looking at him, and you can t- tell by looking at his camper and his truck, he hadn't been very successful. Now, he was out there digging and everything, and he would go and, you know, drive, and he'd go to the mine, and he'd dig and do all these things. He was looking for gold. But this commercial said, and it's supposed to be a true story, where this old guy, he was out there fooling around with his metal detector one day, right there, right outside his camper door. He had this old camper. I mean, it was just dirt. There was no grass. There was nothing, no trees. It was just barren out there. And he's out there messing around with his metal detector right in his front yard. He'd been mining for gold for years. Hadn't found nothing, Harlan. And he's going, he's going along like this right here, and all of a sudden, he finds something. He hears something. He starts digging. He pulls out a 98-pound chunk of gold right there in his front yard. He'd been looking for gold for years. Years. And he'd been looking, of course, he'd been looking in the wrong place. But you know what? All that had, what that was saying was, don't, don't depend on luck to, you know, to plan for the future and that kind of thing. But folks, let me just tell you, digging, digging for wisdom or, or, or looking for wisdom is just like mining for gold. It's in here. It's in the book. And we gotta be, we gotta get in it and get it out. All right. So let's, let's go over to the book of Proverbs if we can. And we're going to look at some verses now. I've already got them in my, uh, written up here in my notes and stuff, so I've already got them. I'm just going to read them out, and I, but I'll give you the reference so you can write them down and then you can look at them later because we won't have time to turn to all these verses and stuff because uh, there's, there's, there's right many of them. All right? So if, if we're going to have wisdom, if we're going to get the wisdom God wants us to have, there's three things that we must have. Three things. I want you to write them down. First thing is we have, must have a humble spirit. A humble spirit. And we're going to show you something here in just a minute. The Bible tells us in Proverbs 3, verse 7, Be not wise in thy own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. But he, but he starts off saying, don't be wise in your own eyes. Don't think, don't think that you've got wisdom contained within yourself. You know, like I said, you know, some people have, you know, some people's IQ is high and they've got, you know, their brain works better than a lot of other people's brain work. Works better than my brain. And they've got, they've got some smarts to them, but don't have any wisdom. They don't know what to do with it. They've got, they've got knowledge, but they don't know what to do with it, how to apply it. Don't be wise in your own eyes. In other words, don't think that you know everything. Don't do that. Be humble about it. Uh, have, a, have the right spirit, alright? Uh, he goes on and says this in Proverbs 26, verse 12. Seest thou a man wise in his own conceit? There is more hope of a fool than of him. And here's, an, here's another in Isaiah chapter 5, verse 21. Woe unto him that are wise in their own eyes and prudent 
in their own sight. Now, hold your place there. We're going to come back. But look, turn back to the book of First Kings chapter number 3. First Kings chapter number 3. Now, uh, this is uh, Sunday school, and so we're turning to a lot of verses here. We're studying the Bible. First Kings, First Kings chapter 3. First Kings three. I'm gonna get there eventually. All right, First Kings three, and we look at verse number five. The Bible says, and this is of course Solomon. Uh, God's talking to Solomon in Gibeon. The Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and God said, "Ask what I shall give thee." Now, this is after that. You know, you know, temple had been dedicated and all this. Uh, Solomon is going to be the he's going to be the next king now. You you think about this now. We know Solomon, and and we understand because you know we're we're on this side looking back, and we know that Solomon. And any time we think about wisdom, or at least I do, when I think about wisdom, I always think about Solomon, and I think about the Book of Proverbs. But Solomon, before this time, he was not a, he was not a wise man. As far as you know, you know the the wise man that we think he is. All right, uh, but he said, "Here's God. He's coming to him. He's talking to him, and he says, ask what I shall give thee.' All right. Now, by the way, you think about that. Here's God, and He comes up to you, and He says, "Ask anything you want. What are you going to ask for? What are you going to ask for? What? First thing. What are you going to ask for?" <laughs> Don't get it. You can't have them. Come on. Come on. What are you asking for? Anybody, what are you asking for? Don't be spiritual and say, I'm asking for wisdom. Don't do that. <laughs> hey, we're going to ask for, I want more money. I want, I want a goose that lays golden eggs. And he, you know, he does it regularly on a regular basis. You know, he does, lays an egg every day. You know, I want a money tree. A tree that's got money on it. You know, all I get is go over there and, you know, just pick the money off the trees. I mean, all kinds of things go through your head. But now here's Solomon. You think about it. He's getting ready. He's getting ready to assume the throne. And he's fallen in his, he's fallen in his father's footsteps. Solomon said, verse 6, Solomon said, Thou hast showed unto thy servant uh, David my father great mercy, according as he walked before thee in truth and in righteousness, uprightness of heart with thee. Thou hast kept... Uh, has kept for him this great kindness that thou hast given him a son to sit on the throne as he is this day. And now, O Lord my God, thou hast made thy servant, talking about himself, servant king instead of David my father, and I am but a little child. I know not how to come out or go in. Thy servant is in the midst of the people which thou hast chosen, a great people, and cannot be numbered uh, or counted for multitude. Give therefore thy servant an understanding heart to judge thy people, that I may discern between good and bad. For who is able to judge this, thy so great a people? And you know what the Bible says? And the speech pleased the Lord. Here was Solomon. He could have asked for anything. And he says, Lord, I don't know what to do. I don't have any understanding. I don't have any, I don't have any knowledge. I don't have any wisdom. God, I've got to have your help. Give me something that will help me Rule your people, guide your people, judge your people. Be able, be able to, be able to rule this 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 great number of people. And you know, 
That, that tells us right there and shows us right there that Solomon started off with a humble heart. And, he, and he's asking God. He, de- he doesn't think he's got wisdom within himself. Now, by the way, he might have been a smart man and all this. We don't know. But, uh, but he's, he realized that he was not sufficient for this job. He, he realized that he was not going to be able to do this on his own. And he said, God, I have got to have your help. By the way, folks, can I just tell you, Anytime that you need help from God or you need wisdom for God or you don't know how to handle a situation, one of the best things that you can do, go to God and say, God, I don't know what to do. God, I'm not coming here trying to tell you what to do. I'm not trying, I'm not going to even suggest what you need to do, but God, I just need something from you. I need your help. Well, that's, that's, that's a good way to start that. And so we know and we understand that because he said that, God blessed him with with all kinds of other things, riches and peace and the land and all kinds of things. But he started off with with a humble with a humble spirit. He said, God, I need your help. Now, most people would would would, would agree with this statement. We are bent toward independence and self sufficiency. Most of us think to our thanks to we think to ourselves, you know what? I don't really need anybody's help. I can do this on my own. God, I can I can take I can take care of this on my own. You know how you know how I know that because I know how I am. Uh, uh, I know how it is. You know, most people will they'll wait and they'll go on and they'll do everything they can within themselves. They'll do what they can by themselves, and then when it gets down to where they don't have anywhere else to go, nowhere else to turn, they'll look to God and say, "God, can you help me?" And I, I'm, I'm thinking God is saying, you know, I could have helped you all along if you'd just come to me. If you hadn't tried to do all this on your own, if you'd have just come to me at the beginning, you'd have been a whole lot better off. It'd have been a whole lot easier. But, but anyway, God, I, th- I think God's, you know, God will still take us where we're at. But we're, we're, we are uh, bent toward independence and self-sufficiency. We must come to the understanding that God is greater and wiser than we are. God wants us or warns us not to trust our own wisdom. Now, let me let me ask you some questions here. I'm going to ask you three questions. I want you to answer them. Answer them out loud if you would. If a person is to be saved, they must first know they're what? Lost. Yeah, absolutely. If a man doesn't think he's lost, ladies, you help me out with this, he won't ask for directions, will he? Man, you know, ladies always accuse the man of not asking for directions, right? But if a, if a person, if a person needs to be saved, they've, they've got to realize that they're lost. They'll never get saved. They'll never get saved. They'll never ask God to save them if they don't realize they're lost. Alright? If a person is to be made well, they must know that they're, I'm sorry, is that right? Well, yeah, I'm sorry, I, I didn't sound right when I said it. If a person is to be made well, they must first know they're what? Sick. Yeah, they, they're sick. Uh, doc, I, there's nothing wrong with me. Leave me alone. I don't. I, I don't need anything. Uh, or, doc, my uh, my uh, left arm is killing me. You got to do something. All right. He, he he. If if something's hurting, something's bothering you, you go to the doctor, and uh, and he'll he'll give you some help with that. All right. Now this one, don't answer this one out loud. If we're to be wise, we must know that we're. I put ignoramus, an ignoramus, right? Everybody fill in your own blank there, though. If we're going to be wise, we have to realize that, you know what? 
we don't have any wisdom within ourselves. We've got to have God's help. If you're going to be wise, you need to understand that God is the author of wisdom. James 1.5 says this, If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God. All right. Second thing, if we're going to be, if we're going to be wise, not only are we going to have to have a humble, a humble spirit, but we must have a hungry soul. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Matthew chapter 5, verse 6. And, and uh, the Bible says in Jeremiah 29, 13, And ye shall seek me and find me when ye shall search for me with all your heart. Uh, Psalms 42, 1. Hold your place there if you want to, or if you will, and just look back real quick. Psalms 42, 1. I'm just going to read one verse of Scripture. This is a, this is a, tr- a great verse of Scripture. Psalms 42.1, he says this, As the heart panteth after the water brook, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. And here he's describing, here's this, this deer that is running from, you know, uh, somebody that's trying to get him or the, or the animals that's trying to overtake him. And he, uh, he's exhausted. And he runs up on some water there and he thinks to himself, Do I take a drink of water? Do I stop long enough to take a drink of water? Uh, or do I keep on, do I keep on running? And, and, you know, there's a dilemma there. What is, what's he going to do? But yet he's so thirsty, he feels like if I don't get a drink of water, I, I, I'm going to perish. And he says, so the, as the heart panteth after the water brook, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. You know, here's somebody that's hungry, somebody that's thirsty. But you know what, what the Bible says? God says this. He says, if, if you, if you come after me like you go after food or you go after water, God says you're going to be satisfied. I'll feed you. I'll, I'll satisfy. I'll, I'll, I'll take care of that longing if you're in your heart. If you will come after me like you, like they go, like you go after food, God says I'll take care of that. I'll fill you with righteousness. All right? And then Psalms 27 4 says this, One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after. Psalm 63.1 says this, O God, Thou art my God. Early will I seek Thee. My soul thirsteth for Thee. My flesh longeth for Thee in a dry and thirsty land where, there, where no water is. But he's saying, I'm going to, Lord, I'm going to seek You early. My soul thirsteth, thirsteth for Thee, longeth for Thee. Boy, how many times have we come to the Bible in the mornings to read our devotions. How many times have we come and we thought to ourselves, well, I'm just going to read something real quick so I could say that I've read my Bible and get out the door. Or going to, going to your Bible in the morning saying, God, I sure got to have something this morning. Boy, I sure do need something this morning. Lord, I've got to have something from your word today. Lord, I've got to, I've got to get something that's going to help me today. You see the difference? Boy, we, the, the attitude that you have when you go to the Bible uh, makes all the difference in the world. If you're just trying to rush through something so you can get something done, we're probably not going to get much out of it. But when we go and we're hungering and thirsting after God, and we're trying to find something from God in, our, in the Word, it's gonna make a, it makes a difference in your, in, your, in your life. It makes a difference in your heart. I'll never forget one day was when I was going through, going through Bible college, I had... I had many, many, uh, great experiences, uh, going through Bible college. One of the, absolutely the, the hardest, most difficult time in all my life. Now, 
And I, I'm going to be honest with you, I just, I did not enjoy a lot of times going through Bible college. We, I was already married. We had uh, two children, and then we had another while, we was, while I was in Bible college. And I'm telling you, it was, it was some difficult times going through Bible college. But some of the best times and some of the greatest times that I've ever spent with God or had with God was during those times. And I used to, uh, I had this job. It was really a great job. Uh, I was the, uh, I was the night security guard at Duke Power Steam Plant. Any of you ever been there? You ever, you ever seen that place? It's, I mean, it's out way off out in the boondocks. And it's right there on Blues, on Blues Creek or Blues Lake. And uh, you go down this long road and you run right into the security guard gate. All right. And it's, I mean, it's all, Duke Power steam plant. It's all fenced in. You, nobody gets in and out of there unless, you know, unless you're trying to break in or something. So there I am at the gate and I'm there. I, my, my shift was from 10 at night until 6 in the morning. And then after I got home, I'd go home and I'd rush home and I'd, I would, uh, I'd lay down for whatever time I had. It didn't make no difference how much time I had, but if I laid, if I could lay down for five minutes, if I could lay down for ten minutes, I, whatever time I did, I, I could lay down. I did that. Then got up and went to college or went to school. And I'm sitting in class. I've been up all night. And I'm going there and sitting in school and I'm trying to lit, learn and listen. I mean, it was, it was, it was some, it was some difficult times. But one of the great things about being there at the steam plant, they, you get to see all kinds of things. And I'll never forget one day I was sitting there at the, at, at the window and this was, uh, this was, I was working one day during the day, probably on, I think it was on a Saturday. And I'm sitting there and I'm looking out. And my, my view is this long driveway. And then here's Blues Creek over here, this great big lake. And, uh, you know, woods all around you, you know, and then the plant was behind me here. But I'll never forget, I was sitting there one day and I'm just sitting there and I'm looking. And I did a lot of, you know, would do a lot of reading there. But I, I looked and there came this deer and I saw it. And he's running like, you know, like something's after him. And he's running, he jumps out of the thicket there, and he just stands there. And it's like, well, I'm, I'm, I'm out here and I'm exposed, now what's, what's gonna happen to me? You know, I, I better be careful, I better be cautious, cause, you know, look around, make sure, cause, you know, I, I'm, now I'm out here in the open. And he did that for, I don't know, maybe two or three minutes, I sit there and watched him, I looked at him, and he was real cautious, you could tell he was nervous. But he just come running out of there. He stops. He's looking around. Next thing you know, he just takes off. He's gone. And then it was probably two or three minutes later, two or three minutes later, that this pack of dogs comes out of nowhere. Where they, I don't know where they come from because, like I said, everything's fenced in. You know, there's no hunting there. You know, nobody's hunting, different things like that. But these dogs are after this deer. And they've, they've, they've come. They're on his trail, but, you know, them, them, uh, that deer was a whole lot faster than them dogs were. And so they stop there, and they're watching, and they're looking, and they're trying to see where he's at, but then next thing you know, they take off. But I've, I've, every time I've, I've ever thought of that, and I think about this verse right here, that, about the deer panteth after the water brook, I think to myself, there's, was this deer that was running, he was fleeing for his life. Them dogs were after him, they were in pursuit of him. And buddy, you know, it just reminds me of that verse of of hungering and thirsting after God. Boy, to be to be after God and to try to get from Him 
what we need and what's going to help us to get through this this old world. I tell you, God wants us uh, to go after Him. God wants to be wanted. We have as much of God as we want. You know, the sad thing is, the sad thing is, God is not trying to hide from us. We, we, we can find and we can get as much of God as we want. If we don't have God, it's because we don't want Him. We've not went after Him because He's not, He sure is not trying to hide it from us, Himself from us, and He's not trying to keep Himself from us. Uh, what time are we supposed to be done here? In the... Okay, back, okay, alright. Well, I, 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 th- I figured that was the, I figured that was the time, 10.30, okay. So I just want to make sure that we didn't, we didn't go too long here. Okay. All right. So if if we're gonna if we're gonna find wisdom, if we're gonna have wisdom, like God wants us to have it, we're gotta have a hungry soul. And then let me give you the third thing here, and this is a hearing heart. The third thing is a he- a hearing heart. Ears to ear, ears to hear is found eight times, at least eight times in our Bible. This phrase, ears to hear. Now. Everybody here, as far as I know, I'm looking out. Everybody here has two ears. Alright? Most of us, most of us can hear fairly well. Now I know, and I've, I've experienced already, you know, get, when you, the older you get, the hard, the harder it is to hear. Y'all, or, or, is anybody else like that? I, I know my, I know my, myself, I'll be laying there in the bed, and I'm laying, I lay on my right side, I sleep on the, you know, if you're facing the bed, left-hand side. I'm laying on my right side there. And my wife will come in, and she'll start talking to me. And I'm thinking, all I can hear is noise. I, I, so I have, to, I have to turn over and I'll say, what? <laughs> what did you say? It's sometimes hard to hear, isn't it? Sometimes, sometimes when you're talking to somebody, you can't always hear. And have you ever, have you ever done this? When somebody's talking to you, you kind of lean forward. You want to, well, you know, he's not. When you talk, when you look at that phrase, ears to hear, it doesn't. It's not necessarily talking about just hearing words, just hearing what's being said. What the idea is is behind this ears to hear is not only do I want you to hear, but there's more to it. I want you to do something to that. Now. I have, I got, uh, I've got four children. I, you know, we had four children as, as, uh, as, you know, when we got married and we were raising children, four children. A daughter and three boys. Most time the daughter, she listened, she listened better. Of course, she always listened better than the boys did anyway. But sometimes the boys, a little bit, I don't, they're, it wasn't that they were hard of hearing, but they was a little bit, uh, they was a little bit more stubborn than she was. And so I told them, and I tried to, I tried to help them understand, that when I called their name, that I didn't want them to holler back to me and say, "What do you want?" I, I you know, just I, I'll give you my my oldest one. His name was Joshua. So I I would call and I'd say Joshua, and I told them, "Don't holler back at me and ask me what I want." When you hear your name, here's what I'm here's what I'm listening for. I'm listening for footprints hitting the floor. You're coming to me. And finding out what I want. That's what, that's what I'm looking for. By the way, do you know that that's probably what God's looking for? When God calls our name, 
he's, he's, I think he's listening for footprints to hit the floor. And we're going to him saying, Lord, what is it that you want? But that's what, that's what I wanted my boys to do. And not only that, but when I told them something, and, and, and I made this really clear to them, when I tell you something, what I'm saying is, I'm not, unless I specify, when I say, I want you to take the trash out, I'm not saying I want you to do it on your time, or at your convenience, when you get ready for When I say take the trash out, here's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for you to go, I'm wanting you to start grabbing trash. I want you to start bagging it up. I want, I want you walking out the door with it. That's what I'm looking for. And, you know, and I don't have to, I don't, I don't want to try to explain that and keep going, you know, arguing, fussing, fighting about it. Take the trash out. Do it now. Well, you know, that's the idea. That's the idea that God has for us here. When He tells us something, He's wanting us to listen. When He talks, He wants us to hear. And when we hear, He wants us to respond. He wants us to do. Do you remember, do you remember, uh, Eli, the high priest, and Hannah had a, prayed for a son, and God gave her a son. And she brought that son, his name was Samuel, she brought him to the temple, and she left him there. And, 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 you know, he was, Samuel was going to be, of course, they, you know, they didn't know all that then, but he was going to be the next judge, or he's going to be the next, one of the next priests, and, you know, one of the judges of Israel. But he was laying there one night, he was laying there in the bed one night, and he heard somebody call his name. Samuel. And Samuel gets up out of the bed, and he runs in there to Eli, and he says, Eli, what is it that you want? And Eli, of course, you know, Eli, he was sound asleep. He said, I, I didn't call you. I don't want you. Go lay back down. And he went and laid back down. Well, it had, it happened three times. And finally, it dawned on Eli what's going on. Now, Samuel, Samuel didn't know. Samuel didn't understand. But Eli finally figured it out. God's calling you. God's speaking to you. And next time, when he calls you, when he says your name, then you say, here I am, Lord. Here I am. Say on, speak on, tell me what you want. And he lays back down and God calls him again. And he says, Samuel. And Samuel says, Lord, here I am. Here I am. And God spoke to him. God told him some things that was going to happen. He, of course, told him his future. Told him what was going to happen in the nation of Israel. And told him what was going to happen to Eli and his sons and all those kind of things. Listen, God, I think, I think God, you know, sometimes people think that God's not speaking anymore, but God, God still does. Now he's not going to speak. He's not speaking an audible voice. I know that. He's, we're not talking about what happened to, to Samuel. He's not going to do that out loud. But listen, folks. God God speaks to us. God talks to us. God wants us to understand. God wants us to hear. God wants us to know. And He does it through His Word. And folks, when we read when we read our Bible, it's the same thing as if God was standing up here speaking to us. I'll never forget, we used to have an old evangelist that came to our church a long time ago. This is after we first got saved. And he, was, he was one of my favorite. He was one of my favorite evangelists. One of my favorite guys, you know, as, as a preacher. And he, many times, when he would come, he, he, would, he would do this. And I, I've, never, I've, I've never forgot it. It was just, it was just an amazing thing to me to, to realize this. He'd say, now listen, folks, now listen, I want you to get it. I want everybody to be real quiet. 
I want everybody to be still. I want you to set up. I want you to pay attention. Are, is everybody ready? Are you listening? Because God's getting ready to speak. Now, wait a minute. Folks, are you ready? God's getting ready to speak. Are you ready? And then he would start reading the Bible. And you know what? He's, he's telling the truth. God's getting ready to speak here. Every time we read this, God's speaking. And boy, we ought to be listening. We ought to be hearing what he's got to say and we ought to be listening to it. And then we ought to be ready to respond. Ready to respond to what he's got for us, alright? So, we must have a hearing heart. A wise man, the Bible tells us in Proverbs 1-5, a wise man will hear and will increase learning, and a man of understanding shall obtain a wise counsel. Uh, Proverbs 12, uh, uh, verse 15 says this, a fool, or the way of a fool is right in his own, own eyes, but he that hearkeneth unto counsel is wise. Proverbs 19.20 Hear counsel and receive instruction that thou mayest be wise in the latter end. Then let me give you one more. Proverbs 22.17 Bow down thy ear and hear the words of the wise and apply thy heart unto my knowledge. You know, he's, he's telling us here, you know, many times in, in the Bible we, we, we read about... We read these things, and God's given us pictures here. He's, he's given us symbols to help us to understand. He's telling us, you know, and, and by the way, God's, God's not hard of hearing. Did y'all know that? He's not hard of hearing. He knows. He knows. He can hear uh, he, the faintest cry. But many times he says that the Lord is leaning forward, or he's bowing down his ear so that he might hear the cries of his saints. Well, it doesn't mean that he can't hear and he, you know, he has to get close to, to do that. But he give, it's, it's symbolizing here. And here in Proverbs, uh, uh, chapter 22, he's telling us, he says, bow down thy ear. In other words, he's saying, now, you, you know, you don't, it, it doesn't mean that you can't hit, you, you're hard of hearing, but it means that you're paying particular attention. Boy, you want to get, you want to make sure that you're hearing exactly what's being said here. It, it, it gives the idea, the picture that, man, I'm really focusing in on this. It's kind of like sometimes being when, the, when, when our wives walk through and we're watching TV and she starts talking to us and I'm so glad that, you know, a lot of times that she don't turn around and say, now what did I say? But, you know, if she walks in and she's talking to you and you bow down your ear or you turn toward her and you're, you know, you're making sure I'm listening and I'm paying attention to what she's saying here because, boy, it's important. I, I need to, I need to, I need to know what she's saying here. But she, uh, the Bible says to bow down thy ear and hear the words of the wise and apply thy heart unto, unto my knowledge. The Bible says this, or we, you know, in this, in this lesson, I hope that we've learned these, th these three things. A humble spirit says, I need God. Folks, now listen. If you're going to be wise, if you're going to be wise, if you're going to have wisdom, you've got to realize that it's not within ourselves. It's not because of me. It's not because of my brain power. I just need God. I need God. A hungry soul says, I must have God. I must have Him. Uh, listen, I can't, I can't do it without Him, and I've got to go after Him, and I've got to, I've got to search for Him, and I've got to hunger after Him, and I've got to thirst after Him. And then, a hearing heart says, I will listen to God. I will listen. 
Listen, when God speaks, when God when God speaks, boy, we ought to listen. Listen, and then be ready to respond and do what He tells us that we're to do. Alright? Let's bow for prayer if we could. Lord, as we come before you here this morning, Lord, we sure are grateful and thankful for the Word of God that we have. Lord, I pray that you'd bless, you'd speak to our hearts. Lord, help us to understand what it let's think about wisdom, Lord, how how we can have it. Lord, how you want us to have it. And Lord, you want us to live our life, uh, Lord, with wisdom so we won't make mistakes and so we won't, uh, Lord, lead other people astray. And so, Lord, we'd ask that you'd bless and you'd help us and you'd encourage us today, Lord. We sure do need you. And I pray that you'd bless in the service that's coming. And Lord, you'd just bless there also. Bless these dear people and, and uh, Lord, help them to help them to grow and, uh, Lord, help them to live for you and serve you. And we sure will thank you for what you do now. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.
Good morning. Good morning. How many of you are glad to, to, to be able to even come out uh, this morning? I don't know about you, but I missed, uh, I missed coming in the building here the last couple of weeks. So uh, the, the snow and the sleet and the freezing rain, all that held off for us. So I pray that you come with an expectation. I pray that you come to, uh, to worship Him and to challenge each other and be challenged by God's Word. And It's going to be Victory Way Baptist Church Unplugged today. We have no screen, we have no music, and we're just going to praise the Lord anyway. How's that? So uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer, and we'll ask Brother Ethan to come, and we'll get started this morning. God, we come to you this morning, God. Just thank you for uh, all your many blessings and the benefits that your word describes to us, God. Just pray for uh, the, the speaker this morning. Pray for the songs and everything we sing and, and the lyrics, and I pray we just make a joyful noise unto you, God, and just... Uh, I pray that we'd put away all the distractions, God, and just uh, whatever you would have for us today, I pray that we would yield to it. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Good morning, everyone. In Psalm 150, the last few verses say, Praise Him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise Him with the psaltery and harp. Praise Him with the timbrel and dance. Praise Him with stringed instruments and organs. Praise Him upon the loud cymbals. Praise Him upon the high-sounding cymbals. We don't have any of that today. But the last verse certainly applies. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. And if you are sitting here this morning, you have breath, which means you can praise the Lord. So let's go ahead and stand. And um, we'll turn in your hymnals this morning. Uh, First one, hymn number 78. My Jesus, I love thee. Today is indeed Valentine's Day. I see all sorts of red out there. (laughs) But let's sing uh, about Christ's love. And I hope we can genuinely say this morning that we do love uh, the Lord. I remember hearing a sermon where they were saying, he was saying, you know, you're not, we're not going to love God perfectly, but thankfully he loves us perfectly. And he's the one uh, that holds us and sustains us. So hymn number 79. My Jesus, I love thee. My Jesus, I love thee. I know thou art mine. For thee all the follies of sin I resign. My gracious Redeemer, Savior art Thou, if ever I love Thee, my Jesus, tis now. I love Thee because Thou hast first 
you for singing. Please turn to hymn 517. 517. And thank you for the strings coming in there. Yeah. <laughs> in number 517, I will sing of my Redeemer and His wondrous love to me. 517. And in all honesty, I, I, uh, I have the lyrics for myself up here. All right, sweet, we have it here. So hopefully I'll be able to tell you which verse to jump to. We're going to do the, um, the first and the third for this one. Uh, I will sing of my Redeemer. I will sing of my Redeemer and His wondrous love to me. On the cruel cross He suffered from the curse who set me free. Sing, oh sing of my Redeemer. With His blood He purchased me. On the cross He sealed my pardon. Paid the debt and made me free. I will praise my dear Redeemer, His triumphant power I'll tell, how the victory He giveth over sin and death and hell. Sing, oh sing of my Redeemer, with His blood He purchased me. On the cross He sealed my pardon, paid the debt and made me free. Amen. He did pay the debt and He's the one who made us free. Let's uh, sing hymn number 92. <clears throat> oh, how I love Jesus. Hymn number 92. We'll sing three verses of that. Hymn number 92. There is a name I love to hear. I love to sing its worth. It sounds like music in my ear, the sweetest name on earth. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus, because He first loved me. It tells me of a Savior's love, who died to set me free. It tells me of His precious blood, the sinner's perfect plea. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus, because He first loved me. It tells of one whose loving heart can feel my deepest woe, who in each sorrow bears a part that none can bear below. 
How I love Jesus, oh, how I love Jesus, because he first loved me. Amen. Thank you so much for singing. Go ahead and wave to folks around you. Now yeah, it's good to see him. Even as it's been mentioned before, we've been out for a couple weeks, but it is good to see everybody. You may go ahead and take a seat. And right now, we'd like to welcome our stringed instruments who are with us this morning, <laughs> Brother Larry and Brother Wayne singing the special. So thank you guys.
you, gentlemen. And we are indeed blessed, um, as was uh, mentioned in Sunday school this morning, uh, from God's Word, we can get all, all the wisdom. God speaks to us through, uh, through His Word, gives us um, wisdom if we ask for it, if we indeed uh, uh, search for Him with all of our heart. And He's blessed us with that. All right, now we'll go ahead and have our time of prayer. So go ahead and pray uh, either uh, by yourself or with the person sitting beside you and ask specifically that God would speak to us this morning uh, through His Word. Let's go ahead and have a moment of prayer. God, I thank you for all you've done for us, for giving us another breath, for bringing us here safely, for giving us clothes. You've blessed us so much. I pray that we would pay attention to your word, that we would allow allow it to sift our lives. As David said, search me, O God, and try me. Know my thoughts. See if there is any wicked way in me, God. Lord, we don't want to leave uh, the same way that we came. And I thank you, Lord, that, that uh, you, will, you will respond and you will uh, answer us, Lord. I pray now that as we sing our final song, that you would help us to honor and glorify you. I pray that you would be with Brother Vernon, give him the words to speak, and that we would be attentive to your word. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, as Valentine's Day is here, a lot of times we'll think of roses and chocolates and any kind of symbol or, or a way of, of presenting love. Uh, but let's not forget the greatest expression and gift of love, which was Jesus Christ going to the cross. And it's only through Him that we have salvation or even hope for today. So everyone, let's go ahead and stand. And we'll sing In Christ Alone. And we've sung it a number of weeks now and indeed months Uh, But, uh, if everyone would please go ahead and turn around and face the screen in the back, you'll actually be able to see the lyrics. So now there's no excuse. Uh, Now, we won't be able to hear you quite as well, uh, but I think you'll be just fine uh, without seeing any kind of direction. You'll definitely be able to hear us. But let's sing In Christ Alone. In Christ Alone. My hope is found, He is my light, my strength, my song. This cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought and storm. What heights of love, what depths of peace, when fears are stilled, when striving cease, my comforter, my all in all, here in the love of Christ I stand. In Christ alone, who took on flesh, 
Voice of God in helpless pain, this gift of love and righteousness, scorned by the ones he came to save, till on that cross as Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied. Sin on him was laid. Here in the death of Christ I live. There in the ground his body lay, light of the world by darkness slain, then bursting forth in glorious day. Up from the grave he rose again, and as he stands in victory, since curse has lost its grip on me, for I am his, and he is mine, bought with the precious blood of Christ. Let's sing that last verse. No guilt in life, no fear in death. This is the power of Christ in me. From life's first cry to final breath, Jesus commands my destiny. No power of hell, no scheme of man can ever pluck me from his hand till he returns or calls me home. Here in the power of Christ I stand. Let's sing that last part again. No power of hell, no scheme of man can ever pluck me from his hand till he returns or calls me home. Here in the power of Christ I'll stand. Amen. Thank you for singing. You know, it's great singing when everybody's back turned. That boosts your confidence so much. <laughs> Thank you all for singing. Uh, Brother Vernon, come on up. All right, that's good singing here this morning. Turn with me in your Bibles to the book of 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter number 13. If you were to guess what the message is going to be about this morning, what would you think the message is going to be about? Huh? Love. Yeah, okay, love. So 1 Corinthians, if we were to label this chapter, what would we look label this chapter chapter of love maybe or love described how many of you men knew before you came in church this morning that today was valentine's day let me see your hand <laughs> how many of you did what you should have done before nobody i didn't either i'm sorry 
I, 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 I missed a mark on that myself. But we think about this time of the year, Valentine's Day, February the 14th. We think of this as, you know, uh, this is the time where we should show our love, express our love. But really, in reality, we're to live this every day of our life. You know, God wants us to love. And God wants us to demonstrate our love. You know, the greatest, the greatest act of love that's ever been, the Bible tells us that God commandeth His love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The Bible, that, word, that word commandeth means to put on display. Have you ever walked by a window, you're doing some shopping, you're with your wife, she's shopping, you're just there, and uh, you walk by this window, and you see something in the window, and it catches you. You're just walking along, and it catches your eye. And you think, my goodness, I don't know if I've seen one of those before. I don't, I've never seen one in that color. I sure would like to have it. I don't have one of those. I, I need to get that. And you go into the store, and you, you, you buy that or purchase that, or you think about buying it, put it on layaway, whatever you have to do. You know, that's exactly what God, that verse is talking about. God put on display His love for us. It's, it's like in the picture window. And you go by there and you're looking at it and you think, man, I like that. You, so, you know, when, when people look and they see and they understand that God loved them so much that He sent His Son Jesus. And Jesus said, I'm going to demonstrate, I'm going to prove to the world how much I love you. And they put Him on the cross. And, you know, that picture is still here today. That image is still here today. That when people see that, they understand that Jesus Christ died for their sins. Sometimes they want that. I know I did. I saw that and I understood it and I said, you know what, I want, I want that for me. And uh, thank, thank the Lord I didn't have to buy it. I didn't have to purchase it because it was already purchased. It was already bought. And all I had to do was just accept it the free gift of God's love. Well, I'm th I sure am thankful for that. All right, so let's look at, if we could here, we want to look at the chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians. We're going to start reading in verse number 1. And the Bible says, Though I speak with the tongue, with the tongue of men and of angels and have not charity. Now we understand the word charity there means is, is the word, our English word for love. I have become, or I have become as sounding brass or tinkling cymbal. Though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could not remove mountains and have not charity or love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity or love, it profiteth me nothing. Now here he, he's, he's talking about in these verses right here, all these things, and these are good things. These are, these, are, these are some great things that's going on here taking place. But he says, if you're doing these things, but you don't have love, if you don't have God's love, then these things, have, they're, they're of no value. They're, there's no profit to them whatsoever. He says, uh, the, well, that, the last thing he says, if I, he said, if I could give everything that I had to the poor, and I give my body to be burned, or I sacrifice my whole life here, but I don't have love. It profiteth me 
nothing. And then these next few verses here, we won't read them right now, but we'll go back and read them in a minute. These next few verses here talk about and describe what love is all about. All right? And so let's go to the Lord in prayer if we could before we get started. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Let's ask the Lord to open our hearts and our minds and our understanding. And He, he would speak to our hearts here this morning and just ask Him to do that. And uh, let's, let's ask the Lord to give us a great service here today. All right? Lord, as we come before You, we are certainly grateful. Lord, we're thankful to be able to be here. Uh, Lord, for the good weather that You've given us. Lord, even though maybe it's a little bit gloomy outside, Lord, it's still, uh, it was still good enough that we were able to be here today. And I'm thankful for that. I pray that You'd bless. And I pray that You'd give us a good service. Lord, speak to every heart. Lord, we don't know uh, the hearts and the needs of who's out here this morning, but Lord, I know You do. And I pray that, Lord, You'd use the message. Lord, not only to speak to my heart, but every heart that's here this morning. Lord, there may be somebody here this morning that's lost and they need to be saved. And I pray that, Lord, You'd show them. You'd, you'd prove to them. And you, they would be able to see how much You love them. And they'd turn to You, Lord, before it's too late. We sure would be grateful. We'd be thankful for that. And I pray that You'd bless. And we ask all these things now in Jesus' name. Amen. As we look at this, as we look at this chapter right here, uh, if, if you had time, and you could read through, you, you could start reading uh, in the first chapter, chapter 1, verse number 1. You could start reading, and you would read all the way through here. You might look, when you get to chapter number 13, you might get to this point here, and you'd say to yourself, well, why in the world, after all that we've read about and all that we've seen here in these first 12 chapters, why in the world did he start talking about love in here, in, in, in the 13th chapter here, it, it, it's almost like it's out of place. It's almost like it, it doesn't belong right here in this section of the Bible. But if you understand what's going on here in this, in this chapter or this, this book and what's taking place and some of the little bit of the background behind it here, it makes, it makes perfect sense after, after you get, after you get this. And so I hope when I, when I give you some things here, it'll help you to understand why he put this here and why it was so important that he talk about this thing about love. Now, first of all, I want you to understand when we talk about this love, this is not love that we can produce ourselves. This is God's kind of love. This is a supernatural kind of love. The Bible tells us uh, over in Romans chapter 5 that the love of God is shed abroad in our heart. In other words, when we get saved, when we trust Christ as our Savior, God's love, we, we have the ability to love or show kindness or, you know, affection to, to other people. But we don't, we cannot, we do not have within us God's love. And we can't demonstrate and show God's love until we receive that. We, we receive the, the gift of Jesus Christ. When He comes into our heart and our life, then we have the ability. Then we have the capacity to love like God loves. And by the way, once we get saved, and if you're here this morning and you uh, you uh, profess to be saved, you claim to be a Christian, this is the kind of love that you are to have for not only for your wife or husband or your children or your family, but for everybody. Even, and we're going to see, even those that don't even like you. Even for people that would despitefully use you. He tells us that we're to love those people. And we are to love them like God loves them, alright? And so, and, and, and as we look through this, 
As we look through this, this book of the Bible here, 1 Corinthians, it was written to a church that was, that was carnal. I mean, this was a, this was not a good church. And if you were, if you had just moved into town and you were looking for recommendations and you were, you know, going to searching through the internet and all that, you'd probably find some negative comments about this church here at, at, at Corinthians. I mean, they had, they were having all kinds of problems. Let me give you some of them. Let me, let me show, show you some things that was going on here. In chapters one through four, uh, there's, there's people that, uh, start complaining to Paul that, that there's all kinds of factions or there's all kinds of cliques here in this church. And, and, and what's happened is because the church is so large that there were several preachers there or there were several, uh, men that were that God was using to preach and to lead people to Christ, and they were having great a great influence in the church there. And so, what was going on was that you know, if if this man you followed after this man right here, or or he led you to Christ, or whatever, or you was in his Sunday school class, or you was there when he was preaching, that kind of thing, it was like you know, what was going on? These people were following these people, and they were saying, listen. It, it was really a matter of pride. He said, if you want to be smart like me or you want to be in the best group, you got to go, you got to follow Paul here or you've got to follow Apollos and all these other teachers. And, and it was a, it was a sense of pride. Uh, these people were following one another and they were trying to exclude everybody else. There were, there was division in the church. And f- folks, let me just tell you, God is not for division. You know, uh, if, if there's one thing, about a church, it ought to be that the church is united. You see, we've got one Savior, and we ought to have one cause. Boy, we ought to love one another, because listen, we're all looking and working toward the same thing here. And there ought to be unity in the church, but in this church, boy, there was great division there. And then not only that, but there was, there was in chapter 5 through 6, there was disorder there. Uh, following people wasn't the only problem they had. But they were being, also being led around by their own passion. In other words, you know, I mentioned before that they were carnal. And so, uh, they were having all kinds of, of spiritual problems also. There was, uh, there was an immoral relationship. And I mean, it was something that was just, it was just unbelievable, uh, in, that was going on in the church. Immorality. And they wasn't dealing, by the way, and the church knew about it, but they wouldn't deal with it. And boy, I tell you, it was causing, it's causing a lot of kind of. It's causing all kinds of problems. They they were taking each other to court, and the Bible tells us that listen, uh, we're we're we are to demonstrate love toward one another. And if you've got a problem between somebody in the church, uh, you you shouldn't take them to court about those things. And that's what they were doing. They were taking each other to court, and it, and and it was just causing more division. It was causing all kinds of disorder there. And then there was just, I mean, there was just all kinds of other problems that I just don't, I don't even want to mention here, uh, uh, in, in mixed company. I mean, it was just, it was just, it was all kinds of things going on here. And then there was all kinds of difficulties. There was marriage, the, the issue of marriage and divorce. There was a big issue about that. There was a big issue about Christian liberty. Eating meats that were sacrificed to idols. And boy, that was a real problem to these folks. Here, here were some people that, uh, that were saved out of this, this pagan, uh, this pagan, uh, city. And, uh, this pagan, uh, <coughs> there's a lot of, uh, uh, idol worship, uh, during that time. And what would happen is, 
they would go to the market and they would, they would see meat here that was for sale and that meat had been offered to a false god, a, a, a false idol, and some people would, would, were buying that. Some people, we're talking about people in the church, they would buy that and they would take it home and they would fix it and they would eat it. Well, you'd say, well, what's the problem with that? Well, it really wasn't any problem at all. But I, I, but there, uh, there was a problem, and I'll, I'll tell you about it. But some people would see that, and they would say, well, I can't believe that they would do that. And then some people would say, well, I can do it, and it's, it's all right for me to do that. But the Christian liberty. In other words, is it right for me to do something? And uh, uh, even, if it, even if it affects you or cause, would cause you to stumble? And, of course, the teaching was that, it, listen, and Paul said it like this. He said, if I buying meat and eating this meat would offend anybody, Paul said, I'm just not going to do it. He said, I, I, it, it wouldn't be sinful for, for me to do it. It's perfectly all right for me to buy this meat and to, and to fix it and to eat it. But, he says, wait a minute. Here's a brother over here that's, uh, that's, that's, that, that is not where I'm at spiritually. And he looks at that and it's causing him problems and and it might cause him to stumble. It might cause him to get out of church. And Paul says, well, listen, if that's, if that's the case, I'm not going to do it. You see, Christian liberties. You know, some people look at things and say, well, it's all right if I can do, I can do this. And they don't, they don't care who it affects. Well, folks, listen, can I just tell you, if you claim to be a Christian, if we claim to be a Christian, everything we do affects somebody. It either points them to Christ, or it points them away from Christ. And folks, that's the reason why as a Christian, our life and what we do, everything that we do is so important. And we've got to be aware of that. And, and listen, we need to be, we need to be prepared to say, like Paul said, listen, if this would cause anybody to be discouraged or get out of church or not serve Christ, he said, listen, it's just not worth it. Don't matter. It don't make any difference what it is. It's not worth it if it causes somebody to stumble. And so, there was uh, this issue of Christian liberties. And then it talked about abuse at the Lord's Supper. You know, and even during this time, abuse at the Lord's Supper was, there were some uh, people there that were more wealthy than others. And they were having this meal at the church. And when they had this meal, there were some folks there that was really poor. And they couldn't afford to bring food. And they couldn't afford to have this have food there at the church. But these wealthier people were looking at those people and they wasn't sharing their food with them. And they were, matter of fact, they were shunning them and they were kind of putting them off to the side because, you know, they didn't have or they couldn't meet up to their standards and those kind of things. And you know what, you know, even at that, when that was going on, the Bible says in one place there that many of these folks, God took their life because of the abuse of the Lord's table. They were taking the Lord's Supper, they were participating in it with, with wickedness and ungodliness in their heart. And God says, hey, I, He had to judge them because of that. And so, you find all these things in the first 12 chapters, and then all of a sudden now you come to thir chapter 13, and He starts talking about love. And you think to yourself, well, I don't know that this just fits in here like this. But really... It fits in here just right. It fits in here perfectly because what God is trying to do in chapter 13 is says, listen, you're having all these problems 
And can I just tell you what the major problem is, what the root problem, the reason you're having all these things go on is because of the one problem that you have, and that is you don't love like God loves. You see, if you love like God loves, and we're going to see this, we're going to look at all these, you wouldn't be having all these problems. Can I tell you, in a marriage relationship, if you're having problems in your marriage, can I just tell you what really the problem is? It's not because of your in-laws or your outlaws. It's not because of the house you live in or the car you drive or the job you have. You know what the problem is? The problem is you've got a love problem. And you're not, it's, not because, it's not really even that you don't love her like you should. It's, it's you don't love God like you should. Because if you love God like you should, you're going to love her like you should. You see, folks, if this relationship is right, this one right here is going to be all right too. If I'm right with him, I'm going to be right with everybody else. But folks, can I just tell you, now listen, if I'm not right with God, how can I be right with anybody else? It's just about impossible. And so here, he's in chapter 13, he's going to describe for us and talk to us about Love and folks, listen. We need to understand what this thing of this thing about love. We need to understand what it is and what it does and how it looks and how it expresses itself. All right. So let me give you some things here this morning about love, true love. All right. Where does true love come from? First of all, where does it come from? Well, like I told you a while ago, that when we get saved, God's love comes inside of us. We don't have the ability to love like He wants us to love until we receive until we receive Him as Savior, all right? And the Spirit of God comes and lives within us, all right? It's, it, love, true love, doesn't come from the flesh. Now, it doesn't mean that we don't have the ability to, to love like we, you know, like we would say love, like, you know, before, before my wife and I got saved, I told her that I loved her. But in reality, by the way, when you first get married and you tell somebody you love them, do you, do you realize that you really don't love that person? Because you, you, you really don't love that person because you don't really know that person. You can't really love somebody till you know them. You see, and y'all understand it. I know y'all realize this, but when, before you get married, your life with that other person is a lie. You put, you, you, you do everything you can to help them not to see the bad things in your life. You try to hide all your flaws, as many as you can, cause you know if she sees you for who you really are, there's no chance she's gonna marry you. Right? So you're being a little bit deceitful right off the bat. But, I told my wife I loved her. She told me she loved me. And we thought, we thought that we were telling the truth. But you know what? I'm just going to tell you. When you get married and you start living in the same house, things change, don't they? Things are different. You realize that the, the, how you squeeze a toothpaste, uh, a thing of toothpaste really does matter. I mean that, I mean that's an important thing. Do you put the cap back on? Of course, now, you know, they just flip the caps. You know, you don't have to worry about, worry about stuff like that. But, boy, I tell you, all that stuff, all that stuff, you know, before, 
before you got married, all none of those things mattered. They did oh you did we can just live on love. We don't even matter where we live. We can live in a cardboard box under the under the bridge. It doesn't matter. But boy, once you get married and and reality starts setting in, things change, don't they? But you know what? I'm 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 so thankful. I'm so thankful that God, when He God tells us He loves us, you know He loves us in spite of who we are. He loves us no matter what we do, and and, and I'm so thankful for that. But folks, listen, uh, this thing this thing about this thing about love is is not from the flesh. It's not from it's not something that we can do. It is from it's from the Spirit of God. Now, if you hold, if you want to, you can hold your place here. I want to turn to the bu- the book of Galatians real quick, and just I'm just going to read a couple of verses of scripture here in Galatians. In Galatians chapter five, uh, in, uh, chapter five, verse thirteen, he tells us here and, and gives us some help with this. He says, "For brethren, you have not been called unto liberty; only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but, but by love serve one another." For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even even in this, that thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Isn't that amazing? And then he talks about walking in the fla- uh, talking in, about walking in the uh, uh, walking in the spirit. He talks about and describes walking in the flesh. And I, I tell you, you ought, to, you ought to read through there sometimes and see the the really the the works of the flesh. But then you get down to verse number twenty two, and he says this. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. In other words, he's saying, let me, let me tell you what the evidence or what the proof of the Spirit is. Alright? So, when you're, when you, uh, are, are driving down the road, if you've ever been to Florida and you drive down the road, if you've ever done that, just about, I mean, there's a lot of places you can go, a lot of roads you can be riding on. And you look out and you start seeing, these trees, and I mean, there's just, it just seems like miles and miles and miles of trees. And a lot of these trees have these orange looking balls on them. Alright, and you're riding down the road, and you look out there and see those trees, and you see those orange balls on them. What do you think, if you were a guess, if you were guess to guess, what kind of fruit was on those trees? Anybody got a guess? Be an, it could very well be an orange, right? So, it, and it didn't, you didn't have to go to school. You didn't have to be a rocket scientist. You didn't have to ask Siri. You didn't have to go to Google. You, you looked at him. You saw, hey, that must be an orange. And if that's an orange on that tree, well, then it must be an orange tree, right? Would y'all agree with me? Y'all with me? Alright, okay. So here's an orange tree. And the reason you knew, if you'd been driving down there and there were no orange balls on those trees, you wouldn't have, you may not have known, you probably wouldn't have known what kind of tree that was. You might could have guessed, said, well, that's, that may be an orange tree. But by the way, it might have been a grapefruit tree or it could have been some other kind of fruit. You wouldn't have really known that. But buddy, when you saw them orange balls on there, you thought to yourself, you said, man, that's gotta be an orange tree. And you would, you would have been right in doing that. You know what? The Bible says that the fruit of the Spirit is love. So guess what happens when people look at you, they watch your life, 
They see your life, and they see love. They see God's love. Guess what those people say to themselves as they are driving down the road? I wonder if that guy's a Christian. I wonder if those folks go to church. I wonder if those people are Christian people. And you know what? That's, that, that, that tells us here, that helps us to understand that when we show and demonstrate God's love to people, people look at it, they recognize it, and they understand. They may not know, they may not know much about God, but they understand what love is, and they understand what, what kindness is, and they understand what it means when somebody treats them good, even though they've not treated them good back. They understand that. There's something different about that person. And you know, they may not understand everything about it, but a lot of times those folks will ask you, hey, what, why are you different? Why are you treating me so nice? Because I, I sure hadn't been nice to you. The fruit of the Spirit or the evidence or the proof of the Spirit living within you is the fruit that you produce. The way you live your life. Folks, listen, I'm telling you, it is, it is, it is so important how how we live our life. And so, true love comes from the Spirit of God that lives within us. Alright? The second thing I want you to see is how does love express itself? A lot of times when I, when I do marriage counseling or I do, uh, uh, you know, premarital counseling, you know, people are going to get married and things like that. One of the things, one of the things I like to ask them, I, I like to ask and, and see what their reaction is, what does love look like to you? You know, love, Love has many different, has many different forms. And to each person, you know, love looks different to me than, than maybe it does to you. In other words, when you do this, man, it just shows me that you really do love me and care for me. You know, what is it, the, that, the, the book that has the five love languages and stuff like that, if you ever read that, you'd see that people respond and people like to show love and people receive love in different ways. I mean, this looks like love to me, or this helps me to understand this is what love is all about. But you know, when, when God expressed His love, we, we mentioned it already, it, uh, he, he expressed His self by giving. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. You know, uh, love expresses itself in many different ways. Here, in that, in that verse, it is expressed by giving. Let me give you, let me give you another. In John chapter 14 verse 15, the Bible says, If you love me, keep my commandments. And so in this verse, love is expressed by obedience. Do you know that when we, when, when God tells us to do something, or in His Word, God shows us something from His Word, and we obey Him, do you know that that is expressing our love to God, to Him, when we do that, when we're obedient? By the way, isn't it, and we talked about that a little bit this morning in Sunday school, that, you know, really, when I, with, with my children, one of the, one of the best things they could ever do for me was when I told them to do something, they'd just do it. You know what they were doing? They were showing me, Dad, I love you and I respect you. And when you tell me to do something, I'm just, I'm just going to do it. You know, really, if we had a, if we had a goal for our children, my number one goal for my children was just, just simply obey what I tell you to do. Just do what I want you to do. 
uh, and, and you know, I'd, I, I was, I was, I'd be thrilled by that. By the way, I'd still be thrilled by that if they would do what I asked them to do. You know, that's not, that's that seems like that's the that's the that's the the big thing. And you know, all all uh, children uh, parent relationship kind of thing. They don't they don't seem to want to respond to do what you want them to do. All right, all right. So let me give, let me give you another. How does love express itself? Well. In John chapter 13, verse 35, he says this, By this shall all men know that you're my disciples when you have what? Love toward one another. Listen, when we love one another, when people realize or understand that we go to this church and we're a part of this church here, we're out in the community, and we show love and we demonstrate love toward one another, guess what people see? Guess what people realize? That listen, there's something different about those folks. They love, they love one another. They care about one another. They take care of each other. They, they are concerned about one another. And, and folks, listen, actions say a lot about who we really are. And it shows and demonstrates that God's love, God loves, uh, God's love lives within us. And we're just showing other folks God's love that's what's already in us. All right? And then let me give you another thing here. What does what does love look like? Well, if we looked at Calvary, uh, if, if when we look at Calvary, we see and we understand everything that we need really uh, that we need to know about love. You know that when Jesus Christ was hanging on the cross, you know I tell you, you just can't you just can't help but think about and uh, and see uh, the picture, the great picture of love that this is. When Jesus was hanging on the cross, you understand that the very people that put him on the cross were there. Were, many of them were right there in front of him, and 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 those people, even even the ones that hated him so bad that they wanted to put those nails in his hands and his feet, and uh, those people that wanted to beat him with a whip, and they took their fist and they and they beat him, and they put the crown of thorns on his on his head, and all those things that they did. They were, many of those folks were standing right there in front of him. Those people would, would come by and they would spit on him. I mean, you know, one of the, I, I think that's one of the most disgusting things you can do to anybody. You, you spit on somebody. You show, you show how much you despise that person. Boy, they, they would spit on him. And uh, they would mock him. They would laugh at him. And they would make fun of him. And, and how in the world? How in the world could they do that? How could you be so cruel to do that? I mean, that, you'd, you'd have to be awful to do that. If you think about it. Well, how terrible that would be. And yet, while he's hanging on the cross, and those very people, those very people that did those kind of things, he looks at them, and he tells God, God, God he, he could have said, God, send the angels down and just kill every one of them. But he didn't say that. He said, God, forgive them. They don't know what they don't know what they're doing. They don't understand what they're doing. And by the way, the very he he didn't, he didn't say this on the cross, but he sure he sure demonstrated the very reason I came to die on the cross was because I loved those people right there. I loved them, and I want to prove that, and I want to demonstrate that to them. And boy, I mean, you you just can't get a better picture than that. You know, a little bit later on. A little bit later on, when he gets when he gets with his disciples, he talk he he uh, uh, comes down and talks to his disciples, and he's talking to them. Do you know what you know? The very people that he said uh, when he said, 
go into all the world and spread the gospel. You know where he told them to start at? Start Jerusalem. That's where he got killed at. That's where they, that's where they hung him on the cross. And the very place, the very place that he was crucified at, he said, now listen, I want you to start right here and I want you to tell everybody what I've done for him here on the cross. Boy, I tell you, that's, that's, that's tremendous. That's a, such a great demonstration or uh, accusation of love there that, that everybody could, would be able to see that. Alright? So, let's look at these, let's look at the, the rest of this chapter here, chapter 13. Look over in chapter number, I mean, uh, verse number four there, and let's, let's read, uh, the rest of this, these verses here that describe what love is. Now, I'm going to use the word love for charity so you, you, you understand what I'm doing here. Love suffereth long and is kind. Uh, love envieth not. Love vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up, does not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth, beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Love never fails. Love never fails. Now, I want us to see some things here about these, because sometimes these words, and sometimes the way, that, you know, the way it's written here, we don't get the full meaning of what these words really are trying to say, or really what they, these words mean. All right? Now, now you remember, we talked, we talked about all these problems that they were having in the church here. So, they were trying to, they were trying to show everybody really by, you know, these spiritual gifts and different things, they were trying to show how spiritual they were. And really, they was they were all all of them were envious of one another. They were selfish. They were impatient with one another in public meetings. And I mean, I mean, we could just go on and on, all right. And so, and so, Paul is trying to get these folks to understand. Of course, you know, God's you know given him this to 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 write to us, but he's wanting them to understand. Listen, folks, this is the way you should behave yourself. This is what the way you should look. This is the way that you should live your life, all right. So let's look at these things uh, uh, one at a time here. First of all, it says here, love is love is long suffering. Now, someone said that this is just like this is like love. Love has a long fuse. You ever heard if you ever heard the phrase, or have you ever used the phrase with somebody? You know that guy right there got a short fuse. What what do we mean by that? Well, this guy right here. You know, it didn't take me just a couple of things, and he was he was mad as fire. I mean, he and by the way, sometimes he'd explode too. If you was too close to him, it, you know, it would cause problems. But man, he would just get mad at the drop of a hat, short fuse. Well, here, here, charity suffereth long, or is long suffering. It means that it takes. It's going to take a long time. It's going, I mean, it's, it's a long, slow burning fuse to get this guy angry or get this man mad. Listen, it, 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 we oughtn't to be short fused. All right. Uh, and, and it has the idea of, of the capacity to be wronged and not retaliate. Well, you know, and, and I, you know, we understand it, you know, living in the real world, you know, this, this happened to us really. You know, it, you don't really always understand or you don't know how you're going to react. But if somebody, if somebody came up to you on the job, you're, you're on the job, or maybe you went to order something there, you know, to restaurant or wherever you're at, you're out in the public, and somebody just got right up in your face and started, started cussing you out. 
How would you how would you react to that? Well, like I said, you know, when it happened, if it happened to us right, I mean, you walk out the door and somebody starts doing that to you, you know, we don't know, we don't always know how we're going to react to things, but we hope that if somebody started doing that, we would we would try to find out what was going on. What you know, hey, what did I do to to, to deserve this, or what did I do to you know to uh, cause you to do this? But you know, really, really. What we're, what when it all boils down to, we we ought to try to love that person, and 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 try to show God's love to that person no matter what they do to us. That's that's what that's what he's talking about here. That's what true love really is is all about. Capacity to be wrong and not retaliate. What what do you do? What what, what do you do if somebody you know on the job is somebody is stabbing you in the back trying to get your position or trying to move up the ladder? And they're walking up your back to do it. You know, uh, do you, do you try to get back at that person? Uh, are you going to try? Are you going to try your best to try to destroy them? Hey, they did it to me. This is what I'm going to do to them. Well, folks, really, can I just tell you that God's love, God's love says, don't do that. God's love says you're to love that person, and you're to try to reach them. And you're to try to tell them about the love of Jesus Christ. Why? Because it's just like it's just like Jesus saying to those people, "God, I love these people right here. I don't want to see anything happen to them. I don't want those people to die because they don't really understand what they're doing." Folks, can I just tell you that the lost man, the lost man on the job, really don't really understand what he's doing. He don't really know what he's doing. Let me give you the next thing. Love is kind. Now, kindness is the power that moves us to help someone who can offer nothing in return. Now, boy, I tell you, that, that's, a, that's, a, that's a different story altogether. How many times do we do stuff or do something for somebody and we know full well those folks could never help us or return the favor back to us? You know, a lot of times... I'm just going to tell you, folks, a lot of times we're selfish about things. There, there, there's a lot of times we're just selfish. And we'll do something for somebody because we want to get in good favor with them. Uh, we, we hope that they'll return that favor. We hope that they'll do something for us. We hope that they'll respond in kind back to us. And folks, listen, I'm just going to tell you, <clears throat> love, love, love doesn't act like that. You know, when, when we say our marriage vows, you know, a lot of times we'll be nice to one another, you know, home, trying to get along, try to, you know, all those, all those things. But you know, in reality, we are to love one another regardless of how our wife or our husband responds back to us. Do you know when we, when we, uh, when we got married, most of us anyway, you know, today, you know, <laughs> people are so, People are so funny about marriage today. You know, you know, you don't, there's not, you don't, you, you very seldom ever hear about a church wedding anymore. You know, they get married out in the field somewhere. They're in a barn somewhere. They're out, uh, you know, all over the place. Uh, uh, you know, a lot of times they don't, don't have church weddings and, and, and the vows, they try to make, you know, all these vows and they try to do all these things because they want them to be, and by the way, there's nothing wrong. I'm, I'm not, I'm not criticizing that, not saying anything about it, but I'm just saying most of us, well, we got married, got married in the church, and you know, we had these, you know, traditional wedding vows. And when we stood at the altar, my wife and I, we stood at the altar in the church, and 
We promise to love, honor, obey, and you know that's a that's a big sticking point now. You know nobody wants to obey. <laughs> that's a bad that's a bad thing. You know, obey, and you know all these things until what? Death do us part. Well, you know when we did that, when we did that, and, and by the way, I was lost. We we both of us was, was lost when we got married, so we didn't really understand all this. We just wanted to get married. But when we did that, you know, we were telling that preacher, the preacher that stood up in front of us, we were telling him, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to love her. I'm going to honor her. All those things. This is what I'm going to do. I'm telling, I'm telling you, preacher, this is what I'm going to do. By the way, there was witnesses there. There were other people there. And I, and I told, this is what I'm telling them. This is what I'm going to do. I'm, I'm telling you, this is what I'm going to do. But you know, somebody was there that was more important than everybody. All those preacher, more important than the witnesses, and that was God. And by the way, God, I believe God's at the, at, at the wedding ceremony for the lost man, just like He is for the saved man. And the lost man, even though they don't understand everything about it, they promise God that this is what they're going to do. I'm going to love you in sickness and in health, for richer, for poor, for better, for worse. It's what I'm going to do. And I pro- it's what I'm promising I'm going to do. And folks, you know, really, that, that is, gives us and gives us a pretty good picture of really how we're to, we, we are to respond to our husband or wife, our maid in, in, in the marriage relationship. In other words, what we're saying, if we could sum it all up, this is what we're saying. We're saying no matter what happens, I'm going to love you. That's what we're saying. No matter what. Well, what about if she don't treat me good? That's not what you said. That's not what you signed on for. You said, you told God that you're going to love her no matter what. You're going to love Him no matter what. Well, what? no except. There's not any exception. You didn't, you didn't put any. Now, by the way, if you put those exceptions in your wedding vows... I mean, you might be excused a little bit, but you probably didn't. <laughs> I doubt very seriously anybody says, I'll love her if she'll love me in your wedding vows. But folks, listen. God's love makes all the difference in the world. God's love. And, and when God's love comes in us, then we are to love and, and demonstrate God's love to the world. That's what we're to do, all right? And so, love is kind. Love is not envious, or uh, uh, really that word, word, the word there is jealous. We're not jealous. Vaulteth not. Now, this is, this is a good one. This is a good one. Vaulteth not means does not have to have its own way. Now, I don't, don't raise your hand. Wife, don't punch your husband. Because you'll, 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 you'll be giving, us, giving it away. But how many of you, how many of us, have to have our own way? If we don't get our own way, we're going to be mad about it. If we don't get our own way, everybody's going to know about it. Folks, you know that love, love says that's, the, that's just not the way you behave. Love says whatever you want to do is fine with me. 
Love says, it doesn't matter to me. We'll just do anything you want to do. You know, that's what, that's what love does. Love is not rude. Self, that means self-seeking or easily angered. Listen to this. And it also means keeps no record of wrongs. Keep no record of wrongs. Do you know, if we could, and we can't, but if we could go to heaven and we could say to the recorded angel, recorded angel, I'm here on behalf of my church, and I'm here to look at the sins, and we want to know, we want a copy of the sins of all the people of Calvary Baptist I'm not going to use y'all, but all the people of Calvary Baptist Church. Well, I, I need a copy of that, and I, you know, I, I need double, you know, double, double copies of everything. And he would say, okay, well, here is the file room in here, and you can go in here and you can look at the records of all the people in Calvary Baptist Church and all the sins that they've committed. And so you go there and you start looking through. You open up the file and cabinet and it's empty. Well, you, you think, well, man, there's got to be something in there. So you look at the next one, it's empty too. And you look at the next one and it's empty. Do you know, do you know God keeps no records of our wrong? When we, when we get saved, it's as if we had never sinned at all. God says, paid in full. It's completely forgiven. There is no record of sin. Now, of course, we're not God. And God, when it says that, it doesn't mean that God forgets. He don't. He can't remember. It doesn't mean that at all. It means that he's not going to bring it back up. Now we're not like God. We we still remember. We we still remember sin. We won't forget things that our husband and wife did against us or did to us or made us mad about or whatever. We we can't forget that a lot of times. But you know what we can do? We we can get to the point where we say we're not going to bring this up. You know, when was the last time you got in a fight, or not a fight, what would you get, what would you call that, an argument, uh, a dispute, uh, something, give me something that doesn't sound real bad. Fighting, fighting's not a good word to say. Uh, discussion, yeah, you're in a discussion. <laughs> That's a good one. So you were in a discussion with them. And one of you said, well, you remember when last year you, you did this, you did that. I, I, just go, I mean, just got the list. Pull your, your notebook out and just start going through the... Well, you know, that's not, that's not the way God behaves. That's not the way God acts. God says, I don't, I'm not going to bring those up. I'm not bringing that up anymore. If you ask for forgiveness, God says it's forgiven, and I'm not going to. I'm not going to bring it up again. Guess what? If God does that, then that's exactly the way we're to be. Not bring those things back up again. Not keep bringing up the past, because folks, I'm just going to tell you, you can't change the past. Past is it's already done. You you can't you can't change it. You can't do anything about it. It's done. But you can go from here and go forward. 
And boy, I tell you, I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful that's the way God is. All right? So, what we're trying to say. Well, this is the kind of, this is the kind of love that God wants us to demonstrate. This is the kind of, this is the way God wants us to behave ourselves. And this is the way God wants us to live our life. Folks, can I tell you, as the world, as this old world gets worse and worse, I tell you what, uh, our light, our light ought to shine brighter and brighter. I tell you, God, God wants us to live our life in such a way that we point people to Christ everywhere we go. Everywhere, everywhere we go, everything we do. And you know, I'm, I'm just going to tell you, God, God, God wants us to do that. Uh, our lives, how we live our lives is so important. If, if we, we have to be so careful. I'll tell you, I'll tell you this one little story and then we'll be done. I'll never forget, and this has happened. This has happened. I can, I just can't tell you the times this this has happened. But one time in particular, we were in uh, we were in Pigeon Forge, and uh, uh, we were on vacation. You know, we'd take some time off. We went up there, and I think it was the day we were leaving. I can't remember for sure or whatever. But anyway, we were stayed at a motel, and we were eating breakfast. And uh, we uh, we went there in the motel and we ate and it's kind of crowded, you know. And we didn't, of course, we you know we wasn't paying attention to anybody or nothing, you know, you know who was around us and that kind of thing. We wasn't, uh, you know, just it was just real crowded. So we ate and we got up and we were getting our stuff and we you know got one of those buggies and we rolled it out to the car and we were putting our stuff in the car. And I had on a pair of khaki pants and just a polo shirt, you know, not a three-piece suit. Didn't have my Bible with me, you know. wasn't carrying my Bible or nothing. Just, just looked like a, a normal person. And this guy, he's with his wife, and they're walking by, and he walks up to me and he says, "Hey, are you a preacher?" And I said, "Yeah, yeah, sure am." He said, "Well, he said I thought you was." And I thought, why did you think I was? You ain't never heard me preach. I wasn't preaching on the street corner. I wasn't carrying my Bible. I had on, didn't have a suit and tie on. How'd you know I was a preacher? What made you think that I was a preacher? And by the way, I wished I'd, I, I wished I'd, but I was just uh, taken back. I, I didn't, we talked for a minute or so, and I didn't, you know, I didn't ask him, but I, you know, going back now, I would have asked him, what in the world made you think? And I don't know what it was. Now we we were out when we were at the you know eating breakfast. We prayed like we always do. We prayed, and you know other than that, I honestly can't think of anything else that we did. But can I can I tell you that has happened? That has happened time after time. After, I mean several times. People have asked, "Are you hey, you're are you a Christian? Are you a preacher?" And I honestly I don't know why, but that's happened on multiple occasions, and I. It, it, every time that happens, every time I think about it, it makes me think to myself, man, I don't know what I did, but I'm sure I'm glad I did it. And I'm glad that they didn't come to me and, and look at me and point their finger at me and say, oh, you claim to be a Christian, huh? They didn't say that. They said, hey, are you a preacher? Are you a Christian? I, I, like I said, folks, folks, we never know. We never know who's watching our life. But somebody's always watching. Somebody's always looking at your life. And I'm going to tell you what. We need to live our life with the love of God 
in our hearts and showing and demonstrating that love to everybody that we meet and even people that we don't meet. We're still to show it and demonstrate that love to this old world. I tell you, this world is looking for love. They're looking for it. They're starving for it. And buddy, we've got it. we got the goods. We need to show it to them. All right? Let's bow for prayer for good. Now, Lord, as we come before you here this morning, Lord, we sure are grateful and thankful, Lord, for your many blessings. I pray that, Lord, you'd bless, and Lord, you'd speak to hearts, and, and uh, Lord, just praying that you would just do something here in the life of these folks. We sure will thank you for what you do. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you, could just, if you would, just stay seated. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. If God spoke to your heart, we don't have an instrument to play this morning, but we do want to give an invitation. We don't, we don't ever want to have a service that we don't give an invitation and give you an opportunity for God to do something in your heart and your life. If you're here this morning, you don't know what it means to be saved, and you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior. Do you know if you would come this morning and you would let us know that, we would be glad to take a Bible, sit down with you, and show you from the Bible how you could be saved, how you could know what it means to have the love of God shed abroad in your heart. Listen, if you're here this morning as a Christian, you just hadn't been living your life like you like you you know you should. You hadn't been showing God's love. Why don't you come and why don't you pray and won't you ask God to help you to be more loving and be uh, and show be able to show that love to somebody, uh, the folks that you live live with, live around, and the folks that you meet on a daily basis. Why don't you come? Let God speak to your heart whatever He would do in your life. are closed <clears throat> let's continue the thought of what is what is our love life like not whenever it comes to um, well, I mean I guess whenever it comes to your your marriage and stuff but specifically how do people know that that we love the Lord can they see a difference can they see a difference in the way that we love others and the way that the world does. We'll just take a moment and allow the Word of God to inspect our lives. Heavenly Father, I pray that that we would grow closer to you, Lord. I thank you that your love never fails.
that your mercies are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. I thank you that in, as in Psalms, it talks about how you don't deal with us as our uh, sins deserve, God, but you love us um, unconditionally. And that's not a license to sin, God, but that's what gives us hope, as verse John 1, 9 tells us. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. As Brother Vernon shared, I pray that we would extend that same love, that same grace to other folks. Lord, we didn't deserve you to come and shed your blood for us. The least we can do is to give our lives for you and what you would have us do and from your word, that is to love other folks. I pray that, again, we would consider this throughout today, throughout the rest of this week. Help us to love others the way you love us. And I pray that you would give us the ability to love you more, God. And I thank you for all you've done and all that you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, sir. We do appreciate that. Um, do we have any announcements? or? Uh, uh, Brother Vernon, if you and your wife would like to head in the back, that way folks can can greet you on their way out. <clears throat> but uh, for the rest of us, we'll go ahead and close with our final song, uh, The Solid Rock. Let's go ahead and stand. And um, if you're not familiar with the first verse and chorus, hymn number 526. 526, The Solid Rock. <clears throat> And hopefully next week we'll be plugged in. But even if we're not, it's okay. It's okay. You know, there's, um, it hasn't been that long that we've even had the ability to use a projector or um, have these microphones, anything like that. And so we can still worship the Lord. We can still um, learn about Him without these modern conveniences. Uh, but they can be nice. They certainly can be nice. <laughs> Alrighty, 526, the first verse and chorus of the solid rock. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. Thank you. You are dismissed. <laughs>